Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to DNF. I'm Jessica Smetana. He's Spencer Hall. This is the finale edition of our podcast. We will, in fact, be effing as in finishing the, the podcast this year. This is it, Spencer. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing a little Abu Dhabi sort of recap, although sort of. maybe maybe not, um, but mostly kind of just talking about the end of the season, the end of a dominant Red Bull season in Formula One that included the longest race schedule ever and it certainly felt like it getting to the finish line at the end here um and also just the most absolute dominant driver season that anyone's ever had by max verstappen but uh we'll answer some questions and see where we go from here yeah it is it it was it's hard to do a finale where you're going to talk about both the final race of the season and i think the overall season because so little happened in the abu dhabi race not F1 needs to work on their their script. We need to work on our scripting and on how we manage the season. I understand there's always a balance between the money and the power and the necessity to craft an interesting product. But realistically speaking, Vegas should have been the finale. It won't be next year um, because there will, in fact, be two races. I think it goes Saudi Abu Dhabi uh, between after Vegas last year. But for me, emotionally at least, the season ended with Las Vegas, Abu Dhabi becoming, you know, more of an afterthought. We were talking about this with um, a couple of the regular F1 beat writers, and they're like, yeah, this is just, it's off kilter. It's off rhythm. It's not its not how you would want this sort of premier tier sport to end things on, an, uh, on a coda or an epilogue that sort of <sighs> doesn't really feel like it matters a whole lot. Yeah, and it, it does matter because you had a battle for second. You had mm-hmm. a kind of... Things still had to shake out in the Constructors' Cup, which I don't know if fans care quite as much about as the driver's standings, but matters a lot to the teams and to the development of the cars and to how things kind of set up for next year. Um, But yeah, after all is said and done, Sergio Perez gets second place behind Max Verstappen and, you know, Red Bull had already locked up the Constructors' Cup forever ago. But uh, like you said, a kind of like anticlimactic finish after coming off of Brazil and Vegas, which are both, I think, more uh, Vegas proved to be a a better race. But Brazil, with the type of like fan atmosphere there would be a a fitting finale and I think used to be the finale. So maybe, you know, five years from now, they'll figure it out. But we've been talking since the beginning of the season about how 
non-spaced out some of the street circuits are at the front of the season, which Mm -hmm. doesn't really help you get a sense for like who is doing well and how things will shake out. Didn't matter this year because Red Bull just dominated pretty much every single race. But um, yeah, ideally you would not finish this way, but they did. And that's it. It's, it's over Spencer. It's done. And I have to say, um, it's very hard to call it a critique when you go, well, that's how it happened. You know, like, should have done something better. Uh, no one did anything better than Red Bull. Like, the, you were talking about the constructor standings. If you look at the gap between two and one, it's comedy. 860 points to 409 for Mercedes. Red Bull was that far ahead. Max Verstappen was that far ahead of everyone. And I don't know how much could have been done about that when you go, oh, okay, F1 should have done this. No. You go back, you make a car, F- and Red Bull hit on it. You know, Red Bull hit on it, everybody missed. I do think there were interesting things. For me, the story, when you go, okay, well, we can't pay attention. Like, number one is already decided. You know, we're going to appreciate that. We're going to say, ooh, Max, awesome job. This is clearly the most dominant season by a single race car driver in the history of the sport. I feel pretty safe saying that. That's fine. The the results were, uh, this. these are the race results by winner Verstappen Perez Verstappen Perez Verstappen 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 signs Verstappen 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 yeah it's incredible the level of dominance that both Red Bull and within the team Max Verstappen managed to achieve it's also amazing how much controversy we managed to dredge up over Sergio Perez, despite him being second in the points. Solidly second. Doing, yeah, and doing pretty much everything <laughs> that he was hired to do. And yet we we managed to go ahead and stir up some stories around that, which I know those were real, but still for all of the noise and all of the static, it was Red Bull one, two, all the way in pretty much every single race this season when you average it out. There is something though, and there are a couple of different storylines where I go, okay, this was this was cool. I really enjoyed watching this. I enjoyed watching Aston and McLaren sort of trade places over the course of the season. I enjoyed the early renaissance, early season renaissance of Fernando Alonso. I thought that was a blast strictly because... It was fun. We needed it too. Alonso was like, uh, if you're a college football fan, was like the Deion Sanders for like the first three weeks of the college football season where it was like, wow, this is what's happening here. This is crazy. And then it was like, oh, but maybe it's not sustainable. (laughs) He's going to do it. To what? He's going to be competitive. <laughs> He's going to be competitive. And Win then, some things. Yeah. Well, and maybe not. It, to sum up, yeah. To sum up the other half of Aston Martin's season, uh, I watched Gary Starsky try to do watch content with uh, Lance Stroll's dad. Uh, and uh, Lawrence walked by and he said, oh, hey, can I talk about your watch? And this was after Lance. I don't know. It was Miami. I think he'd hit a wall or something. Yeah. And he goes, it's not a good time. So to summarize <laughs> the Stroll experience on Aston Martin, it wasn't a good time. That was a good Lawrence Stroll uh, impression, by the way. He has that kind of, you know, yes. the kind of supervillain voice. Yeah, no, he's like the Penguin or like, uh, I don't know, what's another Kingpin. Batman? Yeah, he's a he's Batman a, villain. He's very Kingpin-ish, if I had to put him in that. Because he's a big, honestly, big dude, too. Like, very large dude. It's weird that he has the son who is not a massive guy. Because Lawrence Stroll is kind of exactly what you would imagine. You go, textile magnet. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> a guy who I imagine has probably done some negotiating with his fists at one point in his career as 100 a How do you think he got the watch? 
he's yeah exactly yeah. um i enjoyed mclaren's comeback um once mclaren put uh put the new gear out there they became an entirely different team they were the vibes kings like if i were to go ahead and award vibes kings for the year i 100 have to go uh go with mclaren because not only did lando and oscar make i think the most engaging duo uh in terms of uh getting along personality wise and and just generally being you know assets to the sport in terms of their you know radiant presence at the track every week they were good they were good and they got better over the course of the season so watching that comeback to me was extremely fun i think the sport is uh, i'm going to engage in a cliche here i think the sport is better when mclaren is good <laughs> i do i do i th- the mclaren storyline certainly added a boost at a point in the season where there needed to be a- another like element for people to still be interested i think like it came at the perfect time right before i mean it was like in july right like around silverstone where it was like okay here's here's something else to watch because like we've talked about it before like the midfield race is fun and we all care about that but we really like the for the ferraris and the mercedes and the mclaren and the aston martins were kind of what people were interested in given that red bull was so far ahead by that point in the season yeah um i do want to answer a question really quick I think we'll, we kind of have to get this one out of the way at the top. Um, because one thing from uh, an American perspective, we're always going, well, I don't know. What about the growth of the sport here? What about the presence of the sport here? Um, and we can get into that with this question from Pete Shop. Listener Pete Shop. Was the dominance of Verstappen and Red Bull harmful to generating new fan interest into F1? Bluntly, yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's not good. It's not good when there's very little competition um, at the top. However, I will say this, that I think that answer might be tempered with uh, the understanding that I don't think dominance, I don't think sort of a dynastic dominance is necessarily a bad thing. I think it was the degree of the, the lack of competition between one, two. You know, I, I think like the, the the degree to which they were better. It's not like, it's not like Max was just a little bit better. no. He was so ridiculously far ahead and setting such ridiculous. Mean, he led a thousand laps this year. Yeah, I'm, Max was dominant last season too. But there yeah. is a huge difference between how, like you said, how dominant than this season, which was like the fir- first place was uncompetitive for the entire season. And I think this is something that people, when they go, "Well, was it bad to have one team that's always good?" No, I don't think that's true because one, that's typically been how the sport has run. It's been run in these long cycles of dominance. You know, we just came off of Mercedes. We're obviously in the Red Bull era now. That's how a lot of major sports go. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. The NFL had the Patriots run. The NBA has had, you know, numerous, uh, you know, Lakers uh, runs. We've had Warriors runs. We've had Bulls runs. You know, this is not. It's not the worst thing in the world because I think it is a way to make people literate one team at a time, right? You know, mm-hmm. say, okay, I may not know anything, but I'll root for the gorilla. I will root for the big guy. And the big guy right now is Red Bull. So I think by and large, I think the lack of competition was bad. I think it was bad for the sport uh, and bad for its potential growth in the United States. Was it necessarily bad because one team won all the races? No. I think those are two different things here. Mm. I also sense. think it does make sense. I also think that um, 
two of the more compelling races that take place in the States happening after there was already a champion decided is just, again, like not the best timing and maybe unavoidable for Formula One. Um, Like they can't move those races, but um, it doesn't help because like we, you know, we just hear constantly how Formula One and Liberty Media wants to expand in the United States and sees dollar signs here. But when, uh, you know, the the tickets aren't being sold to the Las Vegas race, I think part of it probably is that like there was not a ton of interest in who would win it. No, there wasn't. I do think also that the Vegas race taking place at, you know, 1030 local time did not help. No, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I will say one thing from this weekend that made uh, me like Red Bull was Sergio Perez's uh, reprimand for calling the stewards a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very silly. He said that the stewards are a joke. I cannot believe it. And they got really mad at him for what? To me, kind of innocuous. Kind of it an is innocuous. Kind of innocuous. I, I will. I, I said this when I was at Vegas. Um, you know, I'm, is that place dropping? When you go, well, when I was in Vegas, uh, when I was <laughs> Vegas race. Um, I have a lot of affection for the race personnel and stewards because they give off big Star Wars uh, NPC vibes. That you know, they're <laughs> you know all the guys you see in the background of Star Wars who are all wearing like orange jumpsuits yes. and like toting they stuff. They kind of like march around. Yeah. Yeah, they're you know they're making the rebellion work right and i have big affection for them because you know they're not getting paid a whole lot they're out there just doing their thing and the stewards of course are a little bit different but they're part of the crew for me so you know sergio saying they're a joke i get it you can't do that it's like criticizing the officiating oh yeah nfl players get fined for it you get fined for it right yeah in f1 at least there's reprimand right like how dare you Yes, they war- They formally warned him. They'll so it was like him. a warning with like a tuxedo on and right. and, a, and a pipe. They bring it. Yeah, they bring it to you on a little. It's a card. <laughs> yes, a silver, silver platter. platter. Correct. Right. This is our formal warning. And they do that. Um, and they do that, and then nothing else happens. You know, like if you're, right. as, as long as you're not like these idiots. You know. And then and it's just... time for tea. Yes. And then it's time for you know your three week summer vacation. Yeah. Right. It's all very European. I love it. Um, I did love that. I also did love, by the way, like I wanted to get to this question, which I think plays into what we are talking about in terms of things we loved, things we didn't. Okay. Um, how sad will Charles piano music, piano musical output on Spotify be? This (laughs) from Jim Prosser. Um, Things we loved, things we didn't. Things I did not love. I did not love the continued tortured existence of Charles Charles Leclerc. I think Leclerc had a great finish to the season. He had a strong finish. He did the best he could in a couple of races against impossible odds, uh, ending up finishing uh, in finishing well in both Vegas and in Abu Dhabi. I think that was great. I think if you go okay, the script, the screenwriters, right. The writers for this show that we watch, F1, that's a nice little turn. It's both realistic and satisfying. But how sad is it going to be this offseason for Charles Leclerc? Well, I guess we'll find out. For for people who aren't familiar, Charles released a Spotify track of him playing the piano this year, mm-hmm. um, which I am not a music person, so I cannot review but it, it's something that he he likes to do and as we know a lot of formula one drivers are, are very into music and are like 
part-time DJ. So um, yeah, when his new track comes out and it makes us all cry, we will know where his head is at going into next season. That poor, poor man. Mm. Oh, this is another really good one. Uh, is F1 going to nerf Red Bull? Okay, so for those of you not familiar with the concept of nerfing, uh, I will explain that to you as an old. Uh, I know this because my ki- I have kids and they talk about this. In video games, when something is far too powerful, then a patch or an update is issued into the game code to make it less powerful, less potent. I don't know. Jessica, do you play any video games whatsoever? I used to, I but I was too, it was too intense. I used to bite my Game Boy all the time, but... Right. I'll under I'll understand the references. Right. Uh so this is this is, you know, if there's a if there's a, a gun or a character that just simply, you know, can't be handled, they'll nerf it and they'll make him weaker and more in line with the overall strengths and weaknesses of any other character. Mm-hmm. Nerfing in Red Bull's case would be bringing them back to the pack. I do not know how that is really possible under the current rules of F1. I do not. I agree with you. And actually, I think that because it's Red Bull and Christian Horner, who is like in many ways a like the face of the sport for a lot Mm -hmm. of people, um, it just makes it even more unlikely. And again, I'm with you. I don't know how they would or how they could. Um, I also think that this this year, as dominant as Verstappen was, like I wouldn't be surprised if this happened again next year, given like where their car is at in relation to the field. Like obviously, like anyone could surprise us, and maybe like other teams will get closer next season. But I still think Red Bull has such such a significant advantage um, that I feel like we'll be talking about this at the same time next year too. Yeah, this is by the way. And the real problem with this, I just want to say, I don't know and not give particulars. Many of the things that Red Bull has done in terms of the aero profile of that car, talking to people who know way more than I do about said machine, it's not one thing. It's an additive product of all of the little tweaks and improvements that they've made. It's not like they, I mean, they've diversified the advantage they have over other teams with all of the little tweaks that they've done to improve airflow and give them such an advantage on the track you know and i think that's the reason because if f1 chooses one or two things there's still two or three or four Mm -hmm. or five other things that red bull has done better that other teams are simply either going to have to catch up to and and the chance of catching up to all of them and figuring out uh you know whatever the like like brain trust at Red Bull has done it is in itself. You can view that as a distraction to the things you're trying to accomplish, right? Like McLaren has obviously done a lot of things to narrow the gap between themselves and the rest of the field. But if they start worrying about all of the things that Red Bull's done, then that's going to be a dangerous and expensive diversion from the mission they had right to improve mm-hmm. their car. So it's, it's a catch 22 because you might try to figure out what they've done, but it's going to keep you from devoting resources and most importantly, time, which there is not a whole lot of, right? Right. I, I think this is one thing that fans can now appreciate. It is November 28th, right? They got to build a car that's going to be ready in March, before March even. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. I don't think like there's not one specific technological advantage that in like you're in 
um, seasons past where a, a car has developed something that other cars aren't doing that gives them a huge advantage like that. That's not the case. They're better at everything right now. Yeah, including so including the rear suspension is Doug. Doug, our producer is in our ears, figuring out the rear suspension on the RB19 uh, is yet another thing. So even if you figure out all the arrow stuff, even if you figure out all of the like, you know, Adrian Newey brained, I can see air move mm-hmm. kind of, you know, magic behind whatever they're doing. Then you get to the rear suspension. You can see where this could be a huge distraction for an engineering team trying to keep up with them. Right. So do you worry about that? Or do you just try to make a better car given what you can do? It's here's it's here's here's a question. Does Red Bull's dominance um, become more palatable for fans if Lewis Hamilton had indeed inquired to be part of that team for next season, as Christian Horner claimed earlier this week. Man, Christian Horner will just say some shit. (laughs) That was was a a necessary plot line in what was a pretty like dull Mm -hmm. news week. Christian Horner, if you missed this, said that um, Lewis Hamilton had uh, reached out to Red Bull before he signed his extension with Mercedes to inquire about joining Red Bull and being, you know, racing alongside Max Verstappen. And then Lewis Hamilton was like, I did not do that. And no one from my management team did that. Mm-hmm. And then Christian Horner was like, oh, it was actually his dad. His dad yeah. uh, reached out to me. And it, it, the entire thing sounds like Christian Horner kind of getting caught in a in a lie. Either a lie or getting caught in some sort of dad. Like, cause you know, if you're right. a parent, maybe you do that. I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, everyone's parents like do things that embarrass them at times, right? Everyone's maybe. parents are a little out of pocket when it comes yeah. to you because that's their job. You right. Know? Especially when it comes to like, you know, your athletic endeavors and like maybe you're you're not winning as many games as as your parents think you should mm-hmm. be, or like your your coach isn't putting you in at the right time so this this has this has big like this does have big dad energy it does right it has actually i was thinking it kind of has mom matchmaker energy Mm, you know what does that mean have you met have you met my son ah okay yes lewis lewis he's he's not single but he's looking you know doesn't lewis look great you know how your number one driver only wears like your team merch all the time what if you had a guy next to him wearing versace yeah yeah but by the way all of this is going to be happening so quickly if you do find yourself needing to construct a winning race car because uh the bahrain gp is in 96 days that's just 96 i have seriously spencer i want to ask you your opinion on this because you've been watching the sport longer than i have like the season is too long like Yes or no? I I say I don't. I think it's too spread out, but that is a byproduct of lengthy breaks uh, for uh, for holiday and a couple of big gaps between races that are geographically really far apart. So I don't know if we have too many races. I do think they're too spread out. So I think the sport itself. I think the sport itself sometimes leaves the stage for uncomfortably long periods of time, and people tend to wander. Yeah, that's. Fair, especially like earlier in the season with like, a, you know, some canceled races and stuff like that. It, mm-hmm. it ended up feeling like very um, like bottom heavy this year, but it is a really short off season, like you said, but the on and off nature, including several different time zones week to week, uh, 
especially like this last, you know, two months feels a little, a little much for, for the attention spans of people, especially when you have had a champion, a champion named for a while. It does. It goes on so long. They can take a seasonal break. That right. Should say, that should say something that they take <laughs> a seasonal break. It's, it's wild. Um, I also wanted to laugh at Luke Smith, the, uh, F1 writer, longtime F1 writer, and currently writing for The Athletic, who underneath the F1 tweet about Abari is in 96 days, just wrote, admin, why? <laughs> He's got a great point. If you've, if you've hung out with, with those people, the, the, the crew who actually go to every race and write about these I things. I cannot imagine. A bear. You cannot imagine the travel schedule. <sighs> That just absolutely crushes these people. I mean, schedules even and lives. even just for the people that work on the teams, like they're not making you know Lewis Hamilton money. They're not flying private jets places, right? Like they don't get to see their families. <laughs> they're just yeah. constantly on the road, going like to multiple different continents, and then like back to that continent again, and then back again. It just is absolutely crazy. Next season, there's twenty four races. Four races. It's just absolutely yeah. wild. Including a couple that uh, were not on the calendar this year. They're uh, Ooh. Uh, in week five, or uh, race five, returning to Shanghai, running yeah. street circuit, right? Um, which is immediate. Of course, naturally, the transition from that is to Miami. The natural. Naturally. Shanghai to Miami switch. Um Additionally, the end of the season that we were complaining about as being anticlimactic is extended. There is a race in at Lucille in Qatar following the Vegas race on November 23rd. And then the season will conclude at Abu Dhabi at Yas Marina, which I always say like that. <laughs> yes. Uh, do we have any more questions we want to answer, Spencer? I, I think maybe we should also mention, like, this is our last episode of the season. And we, TBD, if we're coming back next year, I, I do not know that we're, yet. We're all, so don't ask us because we don't know. <laughs> we're all we're all year to year, day to day. Um, I, I will try to find some way to continue doing this no matter what. But I certainly hope that we're back. Uh, any other questions we want to answer? Somebody said fix Haas. No. Mm. No, Haas is where you go to have your faith in racing and your own ability tested by God. Um, <laughs> God, is, God in this case is real mean. Can we can we give it up for Williams while we're here? Let's give it up for Williams. We should give it up for Williams. Absolutely. I, I loved the Joshua Vowles' like non-answer about Logan Sargent coming back to this weekend. So it, listen, shouts out to you know JJ Vowles, DJ Vowles <laughs> here, okay? Because three teams we had three teams like i would like if you want to give shouts out to things maybe that's what we should do right here because i know that i have several mm. things that i just want to go okay. one shouts out to williams shouts out to alex albon who yes again, always yes who again with uh, managed to overperform despite being under equipped in every single way williams managed to finish ahead of alfatari alfa romeo and haas ferrari i'm gonna keep it positive and not be like oh Hey, Alpha was trash, even though Alpha was kind of trash. I love y'all, but you're mm. kind of trash. Sometimes people you love are trash. They were kind yes. of garbage. Um, but shout out shout, to Yuki. What? Shout out to Yuki, who every time, I love that every time anybody was asked um, at sort of, you know, the Red Bull AlphaTauri offices that were asked about Yuki, they were like, we're very happy with what he's doing. Meaning that car 
that car isn't anything, but he's still managing yeah. to exceed expectations. Steady Eddie, especially as the seat next to him was occupied by three different people this season. He just kept driving away. Yeah. Shout out to George Russell's haircut. He apparently cut it because it was getting in his eyes during racing. I, I think I read that somewhere. Mm-hmm. So shout out to that. We didn't we didn't get to talk. Shout out to Valtteri Bottas's butt calendar, which yes. our producer Doug now owns. And I feel like I should own. I I, need, I should order that. I think I have one on the way. Oh, Can't. God, yeah, so that's jealous. how much that's how much Valtteri Bottas ass merchandise I already own. I'm not sure whether I've already ordered <laughs> it or not because I own the previous edition of Valtteri's uh, for charity. Yes, uh, of course. He has been um, like slow rolling it out on Instagram for like three weeks. So I I love the marketing job that he's doing on his Instagram. Everyone should check that out. Yeah. Um, You know what? My my favorite moment of the season and a a season where things were uh, relatively without drama. I loved uh, I loved qualifying laps at Monaco. Those were absolutely thrilling and i love max verstappen after a solid week of complaining and being extremely max verstappen about everything i love max verstappen taking a breath to actually enjoy himself and saying viva las vegas over the night <laughs> at vegas that's that's spectacular i was thinking last week after you you mentioned viva las vegas how there is a i know that there are people like this exist because i'm one of them um, the first time they heard Viva Las Vegas was in the Viagra commercial where they sang Viva Viagra. And mm-hmm. that's the only, like, I, I realized later in life that there were the actual words were Viva Las Vegas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I think there's a sweet spot. If you were born in the mid nineties, yes. you are with me on this. Yes. Please I, I tweet at re- me to confirm. I do remember the ads. Yes. It would have been great if Max saying that. I think my favorite part of the season was uh, Singapore because it was the first time that I was like, oh, wow, someone someone different's going to win. So shout out to Carlos and Lando and Lewis for, for that podium. Yeah, thank you for the variety. We needed yeah. one. We needed one of them. You got one. That's it. Otherwise, steady diet, steady diet of RB19. And I've memorized the Dutch national anthem by now. An extremely grumpy Dutch man. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Shouts out. But, and yes, shout out to Max Verstappen, by the way. Max will answer your question. You may not like the answer, but he's going to give you an honest answer every <laughs> single time. And I do appreciate I think he's gotten better at that. I do. I think he's gotten much better at this is who I am and I'm going to present it, but I'm not going to be a dick about it. This is just going to be very flat and it's, very It's called not being like 21 anymore, right? Yeah. No, he's like, no, this I didn't like that. I like this. I don't like that. I'm going to go back to my sim racing unit now. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we? Anything else? I think I think that is about it. Um, if you have been listening this entire season, we thank you for your patronage. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, I hope to talk to you next season in just 96 days. I just, Boy. this is, it's unfathomable, unfathomable to me, Spencer. Yeah. 96 days. Hey, listen, so many things to look forward to next year. I want to see... Um, and maybe this is where we close. And, you know, I want to see the continued development of Oscar Piastri. Would love, would love to do that. Um, I'm looking forward to whatever silly season has to bring us. Uh, if there are any surprises left in that, there, I uh, think there will be. There's, there seems to be a lot unsettled at this point in the season versus last year. When one we hopes. Got here. One yeah. hopes. Um, I could be I, wrong. I enjoy the drama as long as it's relatively harmless, and Yuki Sonoda ends up with a seat. Uh, 
I am looking forward to seeing whether Mercedes can take it back to the garage and sort of maintain the one, get back to 1-1-A with yeah. Red Bull instead of the clear 1-2. And I am also looking forward to another season of Martin Brundle wandering the grid, desperately trying to figure out who he is, where he is, who he's supposed to talk to. We can only hope. Thanks, y'all.